بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين خطز جت سنتر a subdivision of the Sheikh Eid bin Muhammad Al Thani Charity Association is pleased to present to you this series of lectures from the book entitled Minhaj Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah Fi Al Aqida Wal Amal the methodology of the people of Sunnah in matters of creed and actions by a Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih ibn Uthaymeen rahimahullah. Tape number eight deals with the third point of the essay of Sheikh Muhammad concerning the right of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-Shahada is completed by three matters. Muhabba, that is love, and ta'adheem, honor for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And finally, the Prophet is a human being. Alhamdulillah, na'amaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'afiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina من يحدد الله فلا مضل له ومن يذلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise him, seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that he has no partners or associates, and I bear witness that Muhammad wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. This morning, in this lecture, our eighth lecture in the series of lectures from the essay of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Sali al-Uthaymeen, Hafizahullah, entitled Minhaj Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah fi al-Aqeedah wal-Amal, the methodology of the Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah related to belief, al-Aqeedah, and action, al-Amal. Uh, before beginning our lecture this morning, just quickly, I would like to review the previous topic which we were discussing in the last lecture, that is the minhaj of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah in matters related to Al Ibadah or the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In lecture number six and seven, we mentioned that the minhaj of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah concerning the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes into consideration three points that we should worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lillahi that is for the sake of Allah alone with sincerity al-ikhlaq billahi by the help and aid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Al-Isti'ana, seeking help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the worship of Him. And Fillahi, that means in accordance with the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His Sharia, the divine law, or the Sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
that these are the three important factors that we worship Allah for His sake alone and that we seek His help in the worship of Him and that whatever we do of ibadah it should be in accordance with the Sharia, the divine law and the authentic Sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Messenger of Allah. And we discuss these points in detail and we also mention uh, that those people who innovated in the religion, who avoided sticking to the Sharia and the authentic Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad made numerous arguments in order to justify and defend their innovations. And we said that one of those arguments that they made, they said that this action, this act of worship or this practice or saying or belief that we hold, it is a good thing. They said it is a good bid'ah and they argued by the hadith of the Prophet that whoever makes a good precedent or who initiates something good in Islam then he will have the reward of it and the reward of those who follow it after him and we said that this actually was not a proof for them for in fact this means the one who is the first to implement something from Islam or to initiate it or to be a leader for others or an example that others follow in doing something good that is legislated in Islam uh, then that person would have the reward for initiating or leading the people or being an example for the people they would have a reward for doing the action and a reward for the people who follow them in doing it we also said that uh, another of the arguments of the people of innovation to justify their actions, some of them also tried to claim that the wasail, the means that enable someone to implement something from the Sharia, that those means are sometimes renewed according to modern times. And they said that just as we use new means, so also uh, they came with new actions or practices in accordance with the time uh, and they tried to compare the two. While we said that the wasail or the means to a thing is different than the actual act of worship. And we said that the act of worship cannot be changed, modified, justified or renewed because all acts of worship have been legislated in the Sharia and it is complete there can be nothing added to or taken from it. But the means, the means that we use to execute or to implement those things that have been legislated in the Sharia might be renewed according to the time or circumstances such as the means of modern warfare or the means of learning such as building schools or printing books and so on. These are merely the means but the actual things that have been legislated in the Sharia cannot be changed or renewed in any way. We also said that one of the arguments is that uh, some of these practices which they engage in, they feel good about it. And they feel that uh, it is an expression. They feel that it is an expression of religious enthusiasm, emotional joy or softening of the heart. And we said, we quoted from the Quran, uh, from Surah Al-A'raf, chapter 7, verse 17, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us that the devil, the shaitan, 
would try to come to the people from every direction, from before them and behind them, from their right and from their left, and he would deceive them through various means, and one of them is that he would actually affect the heart of the people and make that which is evil seem good to them. We also said that one of the arguments of the people uh, of deviation, uh, or not one of the arguments, but we said that it is required that anyone who claims that they love Islam and they love Allah and they love the Prophet then the way to show their love of Allah and love of the Prophet is by following him, by following the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 31 that if you really love Allah then follow me. Uh, this is in brief what we discussed in the previous lectures and this morning ta'ala, we would like to go to the third major point of the essay of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen and Allah protect and preserve him and it is the tariq or the tariqah of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah fi haq al-Rasul the way of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah concerning the right of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Sheikh says that it is well known that a person's Islam will not be complete or perfect except by the shahada or the testimony of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah that no one's Islam will be complete except by testifying bearing witness to the fact that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and also bearing witness to the fact that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, the final prophet and messenger of Allah. And he says that this shahada or testimony or bearing witness to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his uniqueness and that he alone deserves to be worshipped and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, the one through whom we learn how to worship Allah and worshipping Allah is only through the way which he has brought to us he said that this testimony is not complete or it is not achieved or fulfilled except by three matters. The first of them, it is aqidah bil qalb. It is conviction in the heart. The second of them is nutq fil lisan. The pronouncement of this testimony by the tongue, saying it in words, saying la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And the third of them is amal fil arkan or actions or deeds by the limbs or the body parts. Yani the testimony, the bearing witness of shahada of la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah is not complete except that these three aspects are fulfilled, having conviction, sincere conviction in the heart, pronouncing it openly on the tongue, saying it in front of others, and then acting upon that testimony, yani that one's actions and deeds should be in accordance with the words that one says on their tongue that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah therefore not worshipping anything else other than Allah if we have that conviction in our heart and we say it on our tongue then we also have to act in accord with it we have to make sure that we don't worship anything except Allah and we have to make sure that we accept the prophethood and messengership of Muhammad وسلم, and act in accordance with that which he brought his sunnah or the sharia uh, divine law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala these three things are essential for one's shahada to be complete or perfect or for it to be fulfilled. For this reason, when the munafiqun, the hypocrites, 
said to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, when they came to him, they said, Nashharuk in Makala Rasulullah that we testify, we bear witness that definitely you are the Messenger of Allah. They said with their tongues that we bear witness that definitely you are the Messenger of Allah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He mentioned concerning them and concerning their testimony which they said on their tongue but it was not in their heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Surah Al-Munafiqun, chapter 63 verse 1 وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ إِنَّكَ لَرَسُولُهُ And Allah knows that definitely you are in fact His Messenger as they said وَاللَّهُ يَشْحَدُ إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ لَكَاذِبُونَ But Allah testifies and affirms that verily the munafiqeen, the hypocrites, are liars. Why does Allah call them liars? Because even though the words that they said, that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah, they are true words, but they are liars because they said it on their tongue while not believing it in their heart. For this reason, we said the most important part of the shahada is not the words on the tongue alone, but it is also having that conviction in the heart along with the actions that are in accordance with it. So by them saying it on their tongue while not believing it in their heart, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rejected their shahada and called them liars. So whoever testifies that Muhammad وسلم, is the messenger of Allah, but their heart doesn't have the conviction that is in accordance with those words, the belief, the firm, unwavering conviction that Muhammad وسلم, is indeed the messenger of Allah, then that person has not achieved the real testimony or bearing witness of these words, Muhammad al-Rasulullah. Likewise, whoever believes that Muhammad وسلم, is the messenger of Allah, but they don't express it on their tongue, they are afraid to say it, or they hesitate, or they refuse to say it, they refuse to admit it. They recognize in their heart that indeed he is the messenger, but they refuse due to pride or whatever reason to say it, to testify, to admit it openly, then likewise that person has not fulfilled the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah. Yani having the conviction in the heart, but being too proud or arrogant or refusing for whatever reason to say it also makes that conviction or makes that testimony incomplete. And likewise, whoever says it on their tongue, but doesn't follow the sharia or the sunnah of Muhammad then that person also has not achieved or fulfilled the testimony of Muhammad Rasulullah. Yani if the person has in their heart an acknowledgement that he is really the Messenger of Allah, and they even say it in front of the people, but they don't act in accord with what they claim to believe and what they say on their tongue, then that person has not fulfilled or achieved the fulfillment of the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah. How can a person oppose or contradict the example and the sunnah practice and the sharia law of Muhammad while they say they believe that he is the messenger of the Lord of all the worlds and that the sharia, the divine law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is the law that he, the messenger of Allah Muhammad has brought if indeed he is the messenger of the Lord of the worlds and that law which he brought is the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then how can we oppose it, contradict it or disobey it? How can you say that you bear witness that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah 
in the real meaning of that bearing witness or testimony when you haven't acted in accordance with it. For this reason, we believe and we say that everyone who disobeys Allah and disobeys the Messenger of Allah وسلم, then that person has not really fulfilled completely the testimony or the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah. We are not saying that the person has not testified. They have testified, but they have not fulfilled that testimony completely to the extent uh, that they have any defect in the following or in acting in accordance with that testimony to the extent that they fail to act in accord with it to that extent they have a defect in their testimony of Muhammad Rasulullah so we should make every effort to fulfill the rights of the shahada having sincere conviction in our heart expressing it on our tongue and then acting in accordance with it in every aspect of our life this is the way of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah concerning the right of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that our testimony to his prophethood or messengership it should be by the heart, by the tongue and by our actions also the, the way of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah concerning the right of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam includes that we love him a love of respect and honor and glorification of his position as the Messenger of Allah. And this love, it is based upon the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, and we love the Messenger of Allah due to our love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Lord of the world who sent him. Our love of the Prophet is not a means or a manner of worshipping him through that love. We don't have the love of him that is worship of him. Because the Messenger of Allah he is the one through whom we worship Allah himself. And it is through the Sharia that he brought and through his example or his Sunnah that he displayed and exemplified. It is through his way that we are able to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we do not worship him. We worship Allah through him, through his action and his example. But we do not worship him. So the Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah say that it is required of the believers to love the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam due to the fact that he is the Messenger, the conveyor of the message of Allah the Lord of the world. So our love of him it is due to our love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Were it not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent him, sent Muhammad ibn Abdullah al-Qurashi al-Hashimi, if it were not for the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent him, Muhammad the son of Abdullah, from the tribe of Quraysh, of the Hashimi section of Quraysh, if it were not for the fact that Allah has sent him, he would have simply been a man from amongst the clan of Hashim, a man from amongst the tribe of Quraysh, and he would not deserve such a high status, respect and honor that we give to him. That respect and honor which we give to him is due to the fact that he is sent, that he is the messenger, that he is the prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore we love him and we offer to him the highest respect and honor 
due to the fact that we love Allah and we exalt Allah. So it is due to this that we uh, love and respect and honor the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala since Allah guided the Ummah, guided the people through His sending and His example. This is the position of Ahl Sunnah Jumu'ah concerning the right of the Messenger of Allah that He is loved by us and He is respected and honored by us due to the position that Allah has given to him by choosing him to be the last and final messenger and the deliverer of the final and complete form of Islam the way of life for all of humanity that is chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and no doubt he is the most deserving of all people or the most deserving of all of the creation to carry this great message that he has brought to us likewise giving respect and honor to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu it is from the right of the Messenger of Allah a ta'zim, glorification, exaltation recognizing his status and position of respect and honor that he is the greatest of all of humanity in his position in front of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala but while we honor and respect him we do not place him in a position above the position which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed him in. But we say that he is Abdullah, the slave servant of Allah, wa Rasuluhu, and the messenger of Allah. He is the one who worships Allah the most. He was the greatest worshipper of Allah to the extent that he used to stand in the night until his feet were swollen due to standing for such long periods of time. And it is reported authentically in the hadith that when it was said to him, Why are you doing such? Why are you standing such long hours in the night until your feet become swollen? While well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already promised that he has forgiven you any of your shortcomings of the past as well as of the future. And he said, أَفَلَا أُحِبُّ أَنْ أَكُونَ عَبْدًا شَفُورًا Shouldn't I love that I will be a slave, a thankful, thankful slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, and his worshipping of Allah and standing in the night in prayer, in communication with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, praying to him, it was an exhibition or a demonstration of his gratitude for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, choosing him and raising him to the status that he has raised him above the rest of humanity as the final messenger. It was due to this reason that he worshipped Allah more than others because he was Abd Shafur, a grateful, thankful servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we don't raise him above his status which Allah has given to him as his Abd, as his greatest slave servant. But we recognize that he is the slave of Allah and the messenger of Allah and not more than that. There is no one who has achieved the ibadah or fulfilled the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of worshipping him like the way the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi has fulfilled it. For this reason he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inni wallahi akshaqun lillah. That verily I am, I swear by Allah, I am the one who has the most fear of Allah and the one who has the most taqwa or consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no doubt that he is the greatest of all 
of the servants of Allah in worship of Allah and the one who has achieved or fulfilled the obligation of worshiping Allah more than others. And it is also reported that when he was spoken to or asked about onions and other such things that are prohibited in the Sharia, some of the Muslims said to him, have you made it haram? Did you prohibit this thing? And the Prophet said, أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِنَّهُ لَيْسَ لِي تَحْرِيمُ مَا أَحَلَّ اللَّهِ يعني, He said, O oh people, verily it is not my right to make prohibited what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made lawful. Yani, he doesn't of his own self make anything lawful or prohibited, but whatever is prohibited, it is by the command of Allah, and whatever is lawful, it is by the command of Allah. The right of legislation, of making laws, of prohibiting and commanding, or making lawful and unlawful, it is exclusively the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet, he is only the messenger who delivers to us the law of Allah and the command and prohibition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So look at how he was, uh, the adab that he had with Allah, how was his behavior and his respect and relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was as a slave and a servant of Allah and a messenger and he didn't put himself above that and therefore we don't put him above that but we recognize that he has the highest status the status that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to him, it is as a slave of Allah. And Abd min ibadillah, he is a slave from amongst the servants of Allah, and he is the most complete and perfect of the people in worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, from the right of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is that we recognize and believe with certainty and without any doubt that the Messenger of Allah does not have knowledge of the unseen, al-ghayr. He has no knowledge of the unseen. The knowledge of the unseen is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. But he only knows those things of the unseen which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed him to know, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him and informed him of. Otherwise, the knowledge of the unseen is one of the exclusive rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the one who knows everything. Likewise, he doesn't control benefit or harm coming to himself or to anyone else. The Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he does not control anything, not benefit or harm for himself or for others. And for this reason, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him to say to the people, to, to declare to his ummah the saying as reported in the Quran in Surah Al-An'am, chapter 6, verse 50, Allah ordered him, قُلْ Say, La aqulu lakum indi Allah. I don't say to you that I possess the treasures of Allah, the khazain of Allah. I don't possess them. Allah is the owner of them. Wala a'lamu al nor do I know the unseen. The Prophet has been ordered by Allah to say, I don't know the unseen. Wala aqulu lakum inni malak. And I don't say to you that I am an angel. The Prophet made it clear that he didn't possess the treasures of Allah, he didn't have knowledge of the unseen, nor was he an angel. He was merely a human being, a prophet, a messenger, and a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What was his office then? If he wasn't the owner of the treasures of Allah, and he wasn't an angel, nor did he have knowledge of the unseen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this very same ayah, he causes the Prophet to say, In إِلَّا مَا يُحَا إِلَيْهِ That I merely follow 
that which has been revealed to me. Yani, I am not an angel, I am not a god, I don't control anything, but I merely follow al-ittiba'ah. He follows that which has been revealed to him, and we are also required to follow him in that. We follow him exactly without deviating, as he followed the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, without deviating from his soul, so we follow him and his example without deviating from it. So whoever claims that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu knows anything of the unseen, that he has knowledge of the unseen, except that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused him to know through revelation, whoever makes such a claim, that person is a disbeliever in Allah and a disbeliever in the Messenger of Allah, for they have denied the saying of Allah and the saying of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu that is very clear concerning this matter. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu has been commanded to say, and he said it, that which is recited by the Muslims and it will continue to be recited until Yawm Qiyamah He's saying Paul say I don't say to you that I possess the treasures of Allah nor do I know the unseen nor do I say to you that I am an angel the Prophet was ordered to say this and he said it and it is a proof against anyone who claims divinity or lordship or any special divine characteristics that are exclusively the characteristics or the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whoever claims it for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa they have denied his saying and the saying of Allah and this is in fact an action of disbelief. Here the Shaykh says that on this occasion it's important to mention that in the Quran there are many verses which begin with the word Qul, the command to say something. And everything, he says, that begins with this word, Qul, every verse of the Qur'an that begins with this word, Qul, it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is requiring of us to pay special attention to that which is about to be said. Because the Prophet ﷺ, in fact, has been ordered to say everything that was revealed in the Qur'an. Not only those verses, but he was ordered to say all of it. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, say, before a particular verse, it means that this which is coming after these words, or after this word, the command to say, it should be given extra special attention. No doubt the Prophet ﷺ has been ordered to deliver the whole of the Qur'an, and to recite it to the people and to say it, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 67, Ya ayyuhar rasul, ballig ma unzila ilayka min rabbik. O Prophet, O Messenger, deliver to deliver that which has been revealed to you from your Lord. So this is a proof that he is required to deliver it all, to say it all. But those verses that begin with call, they are to be given special attention. Because these have been, uh, have been singled out for the Prophet with a special command to deliver it, while he is required to deliver the whole of the Qur'an, but these are special occasions. And some of those verses which begin like this are the verses, for example, in Surah An-Nur, Chapter 24, verse 30. قُلْ Say, قُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَغُضُّ مِنْ أَبَصَارِهِمْ Amongst them is this saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning the fact that the Prophet doesn't have any knowledge of the unseen. Allah ordered him to say, say, that I don't possess the treasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nor do I have knowledge of the unseen. Also, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ doesn't possess or control harm or benefit for himself nor for anyone else, this is contained in the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Jinn, chapter 72, verse 21. Say, 
O Muhammad that really I don't possess or control for you any harm nor the ability to put you on right guidance or to direct you to the right path except by permission from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also in the same chapter Surah Al-Jinn chapter 72 the following verse 22 قُلْ إِنِّي لَنْ يُجِيرَنِي مِنَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا say that verily no one will be able to save me from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if I were to disobey him so if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to punish the Prophet sallallahu or do anything to him no one could save him and there is no one that he could seek refuge in so this is all of these points all of these verses Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him to begin with the, with the word say ordered him to say specifically to give special attention to these things to show that the Prophet sallallahu that he is the messenger of Allah he is the prophet of Allah he is the slave servant of Allah he is not an angel he is not a god to be worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but he is merely a human being the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi is merely a human being the only difference between him and other human beings is that he has been given the revelation but he has no right of arububiyah the lordship yeah and he has no characteristics and he doesn't share with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anything of his lordship as being the creator the owner the one who controls the affairs of the universe who gives life and death and so on these are the rights of rububiyah of the lordship the divine lordship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam doesn't share in them in any way he doesn't know the unseen except what Allah has revealed to him and the proof of this is that on many occasions the prophet sallallahu was asked about some of the legal rulings in Islam and he remained silent until revelation came to him informing him of what was the command of Allah in that particular matter sometimes the prophet sallallahu gave a ruling in a matter and then revelation came to him making an exception to that ruling or even correcting that which he said the, the correction or the exception came by revelation showing that the Prophet ﷺ he is only able to give the people that which Allah has given him otherwise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will correct him once he was asked does the shahada the person who enters Islam by saying la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah does this negate and nullify all of the person's previous sins and remove anything that is against him and the Prophet ﷺ said yes it removes everything then after a short pause the Prophet asked where is the person who just asked me that question then the person was brought back to him and said that it removes everything against you except death except death if you are in debt you are entering into Islam doesn't remove your debt but you are still required to pay them the Prophet said that the shahada entering Islam removes everything against you except debt that you owe to others and he said that the angel Jibreel has just now informed me of that so this is the proof that revelation used to come to him to correct him or to make exceptions or to inform him of that which he didn't know yet sometimes the Prophet made ishtihad he tried to reach a conclusion about a certain matter but then the revelation came to him informing him that the ijtihad he made or the decision or the choice that he made that actually it was better to do something else contradictory to what he had chosen therefore Allah would correct him and show him the right way in whatever he was doing therefore we say that the messenger of Allah is a slave of Allah 
He is the best of the worshippers of Allah and he doesn't share in any way the divine lordship or any of the qualities of lordship that are the exclusive rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, we say finally that amongst the rights of the Messenger of Allah that we must recognize concerning his prophethood, we must also recognize and believe that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a human being who has all of the human characteristics, physical and otherwise, of other human beings. He sleeps, he ate, he drank, he became sick, he suffered from pain, he was sad, he was happy, he was pleased, he became angry, and he also died just as all other human beings die. Contrary to the popular belief of some people who have deviated from the correct aqidah of Islam who claim that the Prophet ﷺ is living. We say that he had the same human characteristics as other human beings. He was a human being, purely a human being. He wasn't light and he wasn't an angel. He was a human being who was selected by Allah to deliver his message. And Allah says concerning this in Surah Al-Zumr, chapter 39, verse 30 and 31, إِنَّكَ Verily you, O Muhammad ﷺ, إِنَّكَ مَيِّتْ That you will die. وَإِنَّهُمْ مَيِّتُونَ And they, the other people will also die. ثُمَّ إِنَّكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عِنْدَ رَبِّكُمْ تَخْتَصِمُونَ Then, you will all stand before, in the presence of your Lord, you will stand before Him on the Day of Resurrection to settle your disputes. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala confirms in clear words that the Messenger of Allah like all other people, that He will die, just as all other people will die, and everyone will stand in front of Allah on the Day of Resurrection, on the Day of Judgment, to settle their disputes. Likewise, the proof of this is contained in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ali Imran, chapter 3, verse 144, وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ That Muhammad is no more than a messenger. And the previous many messengers before him also passed away. Many messengers before him died. He is a messenger just as the messengers before him died. If he died or is killed, will you turn back on your heels? Yeah, I mean, will you leave Islam and go back to disbelief? But whoever turns back on his heels, then he will not harm Allah in any way. So this is the proof that the Prophet Muhammad just as the messengers before him, he is also a human being, they passed away before him, and he also was to pass away, and he in fact did die. There's no doubt about, there's no doubt about the fact that the Messenger of Allah died a physical death. His body died like every other human being, and his soul left his body like the soul of every other human being at the time of death. And his family and his companions did for him the same thing that is done for every other person when they die. With the exception that when his body was washed for the funeral prayer, his clothing was not removed, but his body was washed and he was also buried like every other human being. And also, the people didn't pray over him, over him the Salat of Janazah or the funeral prayer as a group, but the people prayed individually. The people came individually praying over him. Since he is the Imam of the Muslims, then all of the people individually came and prayed over him. 
whoever claims that the Messenger of Allah is living in his grave, a physical life, not the life of Barzakh, not the Hayat Barzakhiyah, the life that is in between this world and the hereafter. Of course, every person who dies is in Barzakh. They are in the in-between world. They are living in that world. But we mean, whoever claims that he has a physical life, the life of this world, that he prays and he fasts and he performs pilgrimage and that he knows what we say and what we do and what is happening with his ummah. Whoever claims such, then they have spoken without knowledge. For the Messenger of Allah his deeds, fasting and prayer and hajj and all of these things, all of his actions and deeds are cut off at the time of his death just as every other human being's deeds are cut off at the time of their death as he وسلم, said to us that if any person dies his deeds are cut off there's no fasting, no prayers, no pilgrimage and other deeds for him except three exceptions an ongoing charity if they left behind some wealth that is an ongoing charity benefiting people they will benefit from them or some knowledge that they left behind in book form or otherwise that the people continue to benefit from then he will still get credit for that or a child who is righteous who supplicates for their parents then even after their death they will benefit from such otherwise other actions and deeds are cut off at the time of death except these three exceptions so the deeds and the actions of the Prophet are also cut off at the time of his death Except that there is no doubt about the fact that the knowledge which he taught to his ummah, which he taught to us of the law of Allah, the divine law of Allah, the Sharia, uh, that it is through this that the people continue to benefit. The Prophet ﷺ, the knowledge that he left to us of the Sharia and his Sunnah, as the people continue to benefit from it, then he will continue to receive credit for all of this knowledge which he taught to us. As long as the people are benefiting from it, he will continue also to benefit by getting good deeds from that knowledge and also from his righteous actions that he showed us the way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by performing them and the people follow them, then he will also continue to receive benefit from the knowledge that he left and from the example that he set as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as the Prophet sallallahu said in many authentic hadiths such as the hadith reported by Al-Imam Muslim on the authority of Abu Mas'ul al-Ansari مَنْ دَلَّ عَلَىٰ خَيْرًا فَلَهُ مِثْلُ أَجْرِ فَاعِلِهِ That whoever points a person or directs them to a good thing, then the person who directed them to the good would get a similar reward, similar to the one who does that good. And in another hadith reported by Abu Hurairah in the Sahih of Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ دَعَىٰ إِلَىٰ هُدَىٰ Whoever calls the people to guidance, كَانَ لَهُ مِنَ الْأَجْرِ مِثْلُ أُجُورِ مَنْ تَبِعَهُ لَا يَنْصُصُ ذَلِكَ مِنْ أُجُورِهِمْ شَيْئًا That whoever calls the people to guidance, to write guidance, then they will have a reward, similar to the reward of the people who follow him in that guidance, without their reward, the people who follow without their reward, being diminished in any way. And likewise, whoever calls to misguidance, then they will have the sin upon them, similar to the sin of whoever follows them in that misguidance without the sin being diminished in any way for those who have followed him. So we say that the Prophet ﷺ continues to receive the reward for the knowledge that he left and the actions that he left as an example for us. Otherwise, he has passed away like every other human being. And this is the position of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah concerning the Prophet of Allah ﷺ and his rights that we honor him 
We love him, we respect him, and we recognize that he had the characteristics of other human beings and that he did not share with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way in his divine lordship. In closing, just quickly look at the questions at the end of the handout. What are the three matters which complete the shahada or testimony of faith? We said that they are conviction in the heart, pronouncement of the testimony on the tongue, and actions or deeds by the body part which are in accordance with that testimony. Number two, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala call the hypocrites liars? When they testified that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah, it is because though the words they were saying on their tongue were true, but they were lying because they didn't believe those words in their heart. And the truthfulness of one's testimony requires that what they say on their tongue has to be in accordance with what is in their heart and their actions. Why do we have so much love and respect for the Prophet of Allah we love and respect him due to the fact that Allah has chosen him as his messenger and it is because of our love of Allah that we love the one who he has chosen as his messenger and we respect him because he was respected by Allah and honored by Allah as being the greatest of those who worshipped him and fulfilled the obligation of worship to the most complete extent. Number four, since the Prophet is so great, did he have knowledge of the unseen? And we say clearly, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, on the, on the tongue of the Prophet that I do not say to you that I possess the treasures of Allah, nor do I have knowledge of the unseen. Was the Prophet subject to death and other human characteristics? Indeed, he was a human being like other human beings except that he received the revelation. He ate and drank and slept and suffered pain and enjoyed uh, happiness and sadness like other human beings and he passed away as, as other human beings passed away. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Reading from your brother's Qatar's guest center, a subdivision of the Sheikh Eid bin Muhammad Al Thani Charity Association. Telephone number 4862390. Fax 4862358. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.